Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and uh, we have a guest on the line from, uh, you're in California, right, Dan? I am, and it's, it's great out here. Yeah, so we have Dan Drake with us, and I'm, I'm super excited to be able to uh, introduce you to him. Um, he's, a, he's a counselor. He's a, he's a guy who works in this space of sexual addiction ministry, and I'm going to let him tell a little bit of his own uh, story and kind of let, let you know a little bit more about him from his own mouth. But before we dive into our conversation with Dan, uh, listeners, I just want to let you know, as we do every now and then, that we're a listener-supported broadcast. So the only way that you're actually hearing us or seeing us um, is because we've just had faithful and generous partners come alongside and decide, hey, they want to help us expand uh, our reach, help to uh, expand the voice of this ministry into other pockets uh, around the globe. Uh, to date, we're in over 100 countries around the world with listeners, and it's fascinating sometimes to see where some of those listeners are coming from, even in states that I'm going, oh man, this, this could be dangerous for them to listen to a program like this. Uh, but because of your generous support, you're helping us to be able to get good news um, into dark places. And so if you'd like to learn about the ways that you can come alongside and support, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link. Uh, well, Dan, I would love for you to just be able to kind of uh, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are um, and the kind of work you're doing. And then I really would love for our conversation to focus on this uh, unique dynamic of therapeutic disclosure, because I think we want to speak to the couples out there today who are trying to navigate what on earth does restoration from sexual brokenness and sexual addiction look like. And the, the aspect of disclosure is incredibly important to whether or not there's going to be restora restoration or reconciliation. But first, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how'd you get into the space of work and, and what kind of uh, work do you guys do in this area of sexual uh, recovery? Well, let me say first, I thank you, Jonathan, for having me on. I appreciate you, your heart, and your ministry. So thank you so much for having me. Um, a little bit about me. So uh, I won't go too far back and make this too long, but my name's Dan Drake, and I got into this field from my own experience personally. Um, and I, I, I finished my, uh, I, I always was interested in counseling, so I got my, my undergrad degree from Biola University, and then I uh, went to Fuller Theological Seminary, where I got uh, my, my counseling degree as a marriage and family therapist. Um, I also went back, I got my master's in theology too. So that's something that's a heart of mine to, to be able to integrate, uh, you know, my faith and, and my practice. I have clients that have faith backgrounds, some that don't, but, but there's something so unique about healing, you know, deep level healing when you, when you have integrated faith, uh, as a part of this. So that's, that's part of my heart. Um, like you said, out in Southern California, it's generally sunny out here, uh, almost any time of year. So expensive, but it's nice. Um, and I have a, a practice, a group practice. So there's seven of us, um, you know, working in, in sexual, sexual addiction primarily, um, betrayal trauma. So I was really blessed. Uh, I worked with a man named Omar Benwala for, for several years, almost five years. Um, really, and I was on the founding board of AppSats uh, as well. So I'm secretary on the board of AppSats. Uh, and I believe you, you had Barb Steffens on a, a while ago, too. Um, but I've just I've been grateful for the 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 heart the work um, you know that I've I've been able to do I learn every single day um, I will say and this is maybe something we can get into as we go but I I came into this field really having a heart to work with men you know men working in this area of sexual brokenness and and healing uh, compulsive behaviors 
And it wasn't really until I started understanding the experience of the betrayed partner um, that, that my work with the men actually started starting being effective. So that's something that that's unique about what I've learned and what I continue to learn from uh, the men I work with, the women I work with, the couples I work with, um, and just, just being able to see the amazing people that work with me and, and how much their own um, experience, their own development has, has also enriched, uh, you know, my practice and our practice out here. Yeah, you know, years ago, we would, we would sometimes do these, uh, these couple um, uh, retreats where we would take couples that have already gone through at least a level of uh, personal you know, healing and personal recovery. And then we would bring these couples together. And it was always fascinating. One of the exercises that we would do in this retreat is we would have a wife tell her story of her betrayal trauma and the effect that it had on her. And then we would get the responses from the other husbands. In other words, we'd have, we'd have like four or five couples in the same room. And so we, it was a fascinating to see some of that, that the crossover of understanding of realizing that sometimes to hear of the betrayal trauma of somebody else actually helped that husband better understand the betrayal trauma of his own wife. And there's a powerful effect that can happen when we listen to other people, right? I absolutely, I, I love doing exercises like that if we can. Um, I've, I've just found that to be the case. And, and I, we, again, this is something we could address too, if you wanted to, but I, this maybe for, for any listeners um, can be painful to, for the partner that sometimes you may be saying the exact thing that your husband needs to hear, your, your addicted spouse needs to hear, um, but they may not get it. You know, you might have to be shouting the same thing, but if, if someone else can say that, that very thing, somehow it can be, you know, another partner or another somebody that they read something somewhere, someone else's story, they start to let it sink in in a new way. So I've just seen that to be the case and how powerful these group experiences can, can really be um, and hopefully enrich everybody. Because sometimes it's really hard to understand from the partner's side, it's hard to understand what, um, you know, someone who's in addict thinking is, is they're not thinking rationally. So trying to think logically or rationally about why would you do this? How could you, how could you love me, love our family and be willing to put everything on the line and hurt me so badly? How is that possible that something like this could happen? Um, you know, and these, of course it does, there's no easy answer to that question, but that's what, what many partners feel and experience. And there's all kinds of dynamics that go to, uh, the brokenness that occurs in a relationship when there has been, um, you know, sexual misconduct of some kind, you know, what, and that can, that can present itself in a thousand different ways, right? So we're not necessarily going to talk about all the variations of, of sexual addiction that can actually cause brokenness in a marriage relationship. What I would like to talk about is regardless of how a couple has gotten to this point where now, there's an understanding that, oh, it's been pornography or it's been affairs or it's been some kind of sexual addiction that is actually what is at the, the heart of what is fracturing our relationship. I want to talk about this idea of therapeutic disclosure and maybe even back up a little bit further than that and have you give us a definition, first of all, of just disclosure because I think it's important for us to understand, okay, what is disclosure why is it even important to the healing process uh, in a, personally for the person who needs to disclose, but also for the sake of a, a, a possible restoration in a relationship? Yeah, I, thank you. I will say when I first got into this field, 
the idea of a, of a full disclosure felt extreme. I mean, some people, and, and this is a controversial topic, but then sometimes people will throw, you know, you'll add a polygraph to the mix. So now you have a lie detector and we're talking, I mean, that feels so extreme. At least that's when I first got into this field, I thought, whoa, what is that? So essentially what we're talking about is a full disclosure is, is for the, the individual that's the betraying party is essentially sharing the extent of, of the, the, what they did, um, the, the, the extent of the, the deception, the betrayal, the, the lies, the deceit, um, the sexual actions. Where the therapeutic part of this comes in is obviously that's tricky because how much detail do you share? What, what do you share? What don't you share? What does the partner want to know? What not want to know? I mean, this is where, that's where the nuance of all this comes in. But I would say one huge distinction, and I think this is important, especially for, for my, my Christian uh, clients is, and I think for anyone here, we, 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 we talk a lot about confession. And I know, and, and you've talked a lot about confession too, Jonathan, too. And I loved, I wrote down a quote from, from you, actually, from your secrets book. Um, and you said, confession alone changes nothing, unless it is combined with brokenness and repentance. And I know I, and my, you're talking individually of what that, you need that brokenness and repentance. But I think that translates not just for, for someone's own healing, but also how this goes into the relationship. Mm-hmm. So I want to differentiate confession versus disclosure. Um, and I think it's a really, really important distinction. So can I share a little bit about that? Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So for me, the idea of confession is um, I, I may re- recognize, I may go to a retreat, I may learn, you know, I might start sharing with my accountability partner, I start really getting honest about what's going on, and I recognize I'm, I'm unburdening myself. I actually feel good. Some of that shame that I've been stuck with for years, decades is now starting to feel better. Um, so I, re- I, I think, okay, I, I'm sharing with other men in my life and that's starting to be, to, to unburden me and start to help me on my path of healing. I see the translation for a lot of men is, well, I'm going to do the same for my partner. I owe her this, you know, I, um, I, I can feel how good this feels. I'm a new man. I start to feel differently. So they, they confess to their partner and you said it too. I've, I've, I've you know, read what you've wrote too. It's, it's like what I find though is if we confess this stuff, a lot of times it, it, it's too much information. It's not prepared. It feels like an ambush to the partner. And then the partner ends up like I'm unburdening my stuff, but essentially I'm, I'm just packing them. My partner's like giving her another backpack of pain and confusion and she's, she's rattled. So I want to differentiate a disclosure is a thought out process. It, it can take some time to prepare. It's not something that's done just to relieve my own guilt or shame. It's actually done to, to help and restore relationship. And, and I love that you're saying that. And the, the reason I love that you're saying that is because a lot of, uh, let's, let's just use the, uh, a, a typical dynamic here where, um, you know, the husband is the betraying party and the spouse is the betrayed, or the wife is the betrayed party. That's, that's such a, still a very typical combination here, right? I think just for the sake of conversation, it might be easier, easy for us to kind of have that dynamic in mind. So what I see so many times in in husbands is they don't even recognize that that idea of confessing to their wife, like just dumping everything on their wife, is still a very self-centered and self-focused paradigm. And then right. so a lot of times because it feels to them so uh, contrite, it can feel to them like I'm being so, this is so out of character for me because I'm actually telling you things that I've never told you before but they don't realize like you're talking about 
they've not thought it through. They've not thought it out in terms of how to actually go about disclosing those things because all they're wanting to do is have that unload mentality. I just got to get this off my chest because, hey, when I did this over here with my guy friends and they accepted me and they were loving towards me and they were forgiving and they were like, yeah, let's move forward and let's help you and let's sharpen you and all well, we have to realize there's a different dynamic in the marriage relationship than there is with me being in a group of other guys, right? Right. And that's, I, that's huge. And, and I, I loved how you've, you've expressed this as well. And I, I, I appreciate that and how, how much the big factor is betrayal. That's, that becomes this huge thing that ends up with the partner is this betrayal because, you know, whether we're talking months, years, sometimes decades of lies and secrecy, now, now we have, uh, now we have a situation where the partner, um, the partner thought their life, their relationship, their world was one way, only to discover in a moment that the that what they thought they had in this relationship, who the person they were, they thought they were married to, that wasn't the whole story. There was, there's other pieces. So, they're, you know, the person with the addiction or with the the sexual brokenness, um, they know about what's going on. They're not, they're, they're they're not hidden. This isn't hidden. They, they, for themselves, they, they know they're doing, but their partners don't. So, you know, you find out in 10 years of your life uh, that your partner finds out 10 years of their life wasn't what they thought they would. They're going to start questioning a lot of things. So what was true? What, how do you feel about me? Do you love me? How could you do this and hurt, you know, hurt me like this when you love me? Um, was this moment real? Was this fake? Were you lying to me? How, you know, what's the extent of this? Do our kids know who's involved? So there's all these questions and that's what the disclosure is helping to contain, um, essentially to rebuild a new foundation, um, for the relationship since after once betrayal gets discovered and usually we call it D day. A lot of times partners will call this D day, the day of discovery. They can, they can usually point on a calendar. They'll know they'll maybe even time of year. They'll, they'll start to get triggered around that time of year. So this is a really significant time frame for them. So to know that that everything changed in that moment um, and what we're doing is when, when the, the world collapses underneath them, what we're trying to do in disclosure is like, let's say we're, the goal is putting this puzzle. We have a puzzle that we want to put together. Um, when, when discovery happens, the whole puzzle gets shattered and now, or, you know, mosaic, let's use that example. So you have a glass bowl, it gets shattered. We got to put all the pieces on the table to see what are we dealing with before we can heal this thing. So that's essentially what disclosure is, is putting all those pieces back on the table. Yeah, so as, I've, as we've worked with couples over the years and, and, and had tons of these types of conversations, there, I, kind of, I kind of put it into three primary categories of questions that people tend to ask. And I'm, I'm mainly taking it from the husband's perspective. The guy, that, the one that's done the betraying is typically, there's a, there's a like beginning, middle, and end kind of question categories. Like the, the main question on the front end is, okay, where do we start? Like, how do we get started? Like, how do you enter into disclosure? The middle part is like, okay, what do you do once all the pieces then are on the table? And then the last part of the question is like, okay, how do I keep from having to come back to this kind of moment in my life down the road? So how would you help a couple kind of navigate through those like big, categories of questions like where do they yeah. start how do you get them started to deal with disclosure yeah no that's fantastic so i never set out to do this but i've just seen how um how difficult this process can be how confusing it can be i've learned a lot unfortunately through good and bad you know mistakes and through things i'm like well i won't do that again or things that 
that I've learned from, from my couples um, who've taught me a lot, you know, things I've done well and some things I haven't done so well on, on the professional side that, that I made some mistakes. And so ultimately, I actually wrote a book with a colleague out in Texas, uh, Janice Cottle, um, on, on working through a disclosure. So it really, we, we made it as comprehensive as possible. We tried to say, okay, how, how do, do I want to do this? What is a disclosure? Is it right for me? What are the benefits and the risks? And we want to know that. Um, as well as what's the extent of, of the information to be shared. So generally what we do, and I'd, I'd recommend anybody if possible, I understand this can be tricky based on resources, but if possible, having two disclosure guides, so someone to help the, and we'll, in using husband and wife, let's say the husband who's the, the you know, betraying party, someone who can help the husband, and then someone who can help the wife. Um, so generally what that does, I, I usually take six to eight weeks to get these things done. Um, so it's a rough time frame. The big question, you'll, you'll get lots of different opinions. How early can you do this in the healing journey? You know, some people generally, I've seen this as a rule of thumb. You can't do this quick enough for the partner. They, they need disclosure as soon as possible. And generally, by the, we're, we're trying to get the addicts or the, uh, you know, the betraying party ready as soon as possible. And they're generally not ready quite, read, quite early enough. So we always have to balance those two, two competing needs. Um, but generally for the wife, the main thing is helping hone what kinds of questions does she want to know? What, what does she need to know? And sometimes seeing if there's a question underneath the question. So th there's a big thing about separating out questions for, for the wife. Um, you know, heart questions, we'll call heart questions or process questions, things like, you know, do you love me? Are you committed to, to our relationship? Do you find me attractive? Um, what happened? You know, these, these kinds of big questions. Those are for processing later. That might be the second phase after we've got the kind of facts on the table. That might be your second phase type questions. I try to have them all written, but then we, we, we push those to, to after the disclosure because the disclosure is really about the facts, who, what, when, where, what happened, what are we dealing with? And that's what we try to keep this as much as we can contained to. Um, but, but to see, you know, if there's, what's the extent of the information that we're looking at. Um, so I think there's a, there's a whole process around um, for, for the, the wife to be able to, um, you know, see what kinds of information she wants to know, what's the extent of this. And coming from a betrayal trauma perspective, from an APSATS perspective, I give a lot of choice to, to the, the betray, betrayed party. Um, in my opinion, you know, what was taken from, from them, what was taken from you was choice. Uh, deception, you know, that creates a power different difference in the relationship. Um, the betraying party kept that power. So I want to give as much power to the, the spouse as possible. Um, what's the scope of this information? Where are we doing this? Where does she feel safest to do this? If it's not in my office, it's, it's kind of a pain sometimes, but I'll drive all over LA to, to, you know, if I'm working with the addict, I'll, I'll go where she feels safest because that's important to me. Maybe she wants it in her, her safe space, her therapist's office. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she doesn't want this thing in her, her therapist's office. Because um, generally the disclosure session is, a, is one time where the addict is preparing a document that he's going to read to his partner. That's generally how I do it, a written disclosure. So there's different ways of doing this, but that's generally his job then is to create this written document that shares, shares the extent of his, his behaviors. And then I also add um, written answers to his partner's questions. So that can take some time to do and do thoroughly and make sure that it's, you know, if I'm now going switching to the, the, uh, the trade, the training party side, um, if I'm helping him prepare, I, there's just a lot of pitfalls I've seen along the way when he's preparing this document. Sometimes there's too much information, sometimes not enough information. Sometimes there's 
subtle excuses going on or words like only or seldom or, you know, when you were unavailable because you were doing X, Y, and Z, I did this, this, and this. And that may seem like a subtle shift, but I take that first part out because all the partner is going to hear is, you're it's your fault me. that I did this. Yeah, yeah. You're blaming me. And that's not going to go well in a disclosure because my point, the whole point is building responsibility is saying, I did this. And not to shame anybody. This is not for humiliation. In fact, I, I firmly believe these disclosure sessions um, can really be sacred experiences. I've had couples, you know, some couples have a hard time and they don't really you know, connect through it. And that's okay. And some couples pray before and after. I mean, it, it depends. Everybody's in a different place. So and that's what I was going to ask too is, is yeah, obviously sure. there's as many different um, outcomes in this as there are couples that go through this. But <laughs> in your experience, having dealt with a lot of couples, uh, speaking both to the betraying party and the party that's been betrayed, what have you seen that sets them up for the best possible success going through a disclosure? Because I think there's probably things that each of them could be doing in terms of mindset or possibly, you know, expectations and, and how to approach this that maybe have you seen some, if I could put it this way, sort of like best practices for helping <laughs> couples be the most successful through this process. Yeah. My biggest thing, if I, if I can speak to the betraying party, the first thing is um, I recognize that the idea of a disclosure maybe is, and probably is completely counter to anything that you learned or believed about yourself that, you know, most of us learn um, this part of me is, is hidden, the secret, it's dark, it's shameful. Nobody, I, I'm not going to share this with anybody because if they knew this stuff, there's no way they would want to stay with me. There's, they're going to run for the hills. They're not going to stay with me. So that's the core belief a lot of us have and why we don't do disclosure and why we keep this, the secret is because we're so afraid. We don't want to, we don't want our, our relationships to crumble. So we keep these things secret. And yet, unfortunately, the secret becomes a monster and, and their behaviors become a monster and they ultimately end up harming ourselves and our, our, our families. So to, to be able to say um, that it's not the secrets, it's not the exposure of the secrets that generally kill the relationship, in my experience, it's, it's actually the opposite. It's, it's continued secrets, it's continued deceptions, it's continued lies. That's what I found ultimately where relationships have a real hard time and they falter and they stay stuck and they stay uh, really wounded. The, the thing that, and so this is maybe just a leap of faith on some level that it's actually in the sharing of truth, as painful as it is, that if you can really know that that's actually going to heal the relationship, it, it will. And, and all the studies seem to show that more often than not, every study that I've looked at, you know, even if someone threatens that I'm, I'm leaving or I can't do this anymore, if, if the partner says I'm, I'm out, more often than not, that's not the case. So just to know that. So I think the, the maturity to, to take that leap of faith, to, to take the risk to do something like a disclosure, because what that does is, is gives, gives your partner uh, a new foundation to, to heal from. Otherwise, if you don't do that, um, it's like asking, I don't know, uh, let, let's say I'm, uh, you know, it, let me think of a medical analogy. Like, okay, for example, I've got cancer, I've got a tumor we know there's something work that we need to do on this tumor. Not doing a disclosure would be like just going in there, starting to cut my body open without actually doing a diagnostic to see what we're dealing with. So disclosure is essentially what we're dealing with. And then we can heal from there. No one would go through cancer surgery and, you know, just hope for the best that 
that we've got it all or that, you know, we're going to go in there without any, doing any kind of diagnostic. I, that seems crazy. I don't think we'd ever think of that. But for a lot of us, we want to keep this stuff. We want to bury it as soon as possible. Um, you said it earlier, I think. So that's, that's one thing I'd say. But I think another thing you'd say, you said earlier is make sure that this is not a one-time deal. So doesn't mean you, you have to share all the facts over and over again. I actually don't usually see that to be the case. You share the facts once. Partners may still have questions over a few weeks or so. Um, they may need some, some clarification, but generally it doesn't happen long term. But a healing journey takes time and, and partners get triggered and, and you have to keep, um, uh, keep being there and be present. So the biggest, biggest, biggest thing for uh, anyone that's listening that's on the betraying party side is if you can have empathy, compassion, um, do the work you can do to hold space not just for yourself and your own shame in this, but really hold your, your partner's heart. And that's, that's an exercise that we try to do is, is really, you know, cause I think sometimes we, we share our information, we, we get all closed up and I, it's all about me being protected and I don't want to get hurt. What if I could open up and say, this is a gift I'm giving to my partner. Um, I'm honoring them and, and giving a chance to heal. So I'm, I'm holding her heart as she's in pain and that I can hold both things. It's guilt versus shame. I did some things that really harmed her, but I'm also not, I'm, I'm still a child of God. I'm, I'm still loved. And I, I can hold both of those at the same time. And I think that maturity really helps going into the disclosure. Yeah. Now, as far as going through a disclosure and then what are the elements that a couple can learn through this process that then benefit them for as long as they're in relationship? In other words, I think sometimes, uh, I know, I know a lot of times the betraying party and sometimes maybe even the betrayed spouse um, feels like disclosure, hey, it just needs to be like this kind of singular mile marker on our journey and then boom, we're on to, we need to just get through this so that we can get on to the next thing. But if I'm understanding you correctly in terms of some of the things that come out as, uh, in, through a disclosure and then some of the things that a couple can learn by the very nature of going through a disclosure, it seems to me like there could be some valuable things in there for the strength of their relationship moving forward. So what are some key elements that, are, that, are, that couples learn about themselves and about each other through this process that benefits their relationship moving forward? I, I, it's a great question. I, I think some of it boils down to paradox um, for the, for the betrayed partner to Start, part of what she learns is I just heard some really painful, painful information in this disclosure. And yet my spouse is walking in integrity and sharing truth. He's, he's, he's doing this. He's really done this with maturity. He's, he's trying as hard as it is. He's being willing to share this information for, for me and for our relationship to heal. So holding what often gets difficult and part of the healing and the grief work for partners to, to come to is my source of comfort and support in my spouse has also become my source of danger. Um, someone who's hurt me so deeply. And so to hold both of those at the same time, yes, he hurt me, but he's also now he's taking steps to try and help me heal. Those things, I think that's a big learning for, for partners because the more often you can see the move of integrity, he's, he's working to do something um, that is uncomfortable for him. Um, but he's doing it for the sake of recovery, for his healing and for her healing. I think those things uh, go a long way. And then for, for the, the, the trade, the training partner too, um, you know, for the husbands to understand 
this this shatters everything actually it, it's it goes counter to what most of us believe you know we believe in secrecy is my truth you know like secrecy is where i'm going to live and die i'm not going to share this with anybody and what we're asking is the opposite so i think it gives one opportunity to say look yeah it's going to be difficult to know that this disclosure season think of it like surgery no one walks away from surgery the, the day after well some people may but if it's a major surgery you're not walking the next day and being like i'm great i feel amazing you feel pretty terrible afterwards but you, you did what the surgery you needed to do for, for a greater good. So it may get worse before it gets better, but generally a couple of months later, things are going to start healing up. Um, it's going to look differently. Is it going to be all done and better and patched up? No, but, but you gave the opportunity to heal. This infected wound is now starting to get cleaned up and healing. So I think it's the paradoxes that couples can learn and they can build on that to know, okay, my step for, for, the, for the betrayed training partner my step of, I wanted to hide something. I did this thing. Maybe it's a small thing. I, I, uh, I forgot about such and such and I just wanted to hide it. You know, it could be, and it's oftentimes little things, not just the big things. So what, am I going to make this move to keep a secret or am I going to take the risk to share it with my partner? Those are those core things that I think, think we have to, to face because those moments are, are moments where integrity is really built in this relationship. This new relationship can be, can be really formed. And forged. And so I think it I, also gives couples, I think it also gives couples a great opportunity um, to learn and practice new ways to even communicate to each other about difficult things, because it's likely this, this couple, listen, they've, they've probably had dysfunctional communication for a long time and it's only been exacerbated by the secrets of the betraying partner and those kind of things. But, but Dan, right. I, I really, I really appreciate what you bring to this. Um, uh, we're, we're about out of time and there's no way that we were going to be able to comprehensively <laughs> exhaustively cover everything about a therapeutic, therapeutic disclosure. But the fact that you guys have resources that can help people with this, I'd love for you to tell our listeners how they can get connected to the book that you mentioned and just some other resources that you might have for, for couples to navigate through this disclosure process. Sure. No, thank you. And if I can just say one really quickly, I mean, there's a model I think that we, we needed to understand is that um, truth truth is the foundation for all this. We kind of expect truth and honesty in relationships, but when that crumbles, you know, everything, intimacy crumbles, our vulnerability crumbles, our whole, our whole connection crumbles. So I'm, I'm a really big believer. I never set out to kind of focus on doing disclosures, but I see how valuable they are for the healing. So one thing um, towards that end that, that uh, Janice Cottle and I created is a, is a website called disclosurehope.com. Um, and that's, we've got some resources Right now, we've got actually have it here. It's it became uh, just fair warning. It's pretty. It's very comprehensive. So it's large. So to be done on your own needs some support. But it's um it's a resource that uh, that we've we've been working on workbooks of how to walk through the disclosure process. So we've got one that's out for the um, betraying partner right now, um, and then a, a, a condensed version for the partner. Um, but this this is a, a workbook that we have for the. Uh, for the betraying party. So it's a comprehensive workbook of how to walk through the whole thing before, during, you know, before is it right for me, how to prepare for this disclosure, what is it, and, and then after, you know, what, what are ways that now I can keep, keep my relationship going and my partner working with, uh, you know, healing my, my relationship. So that's one. Finding a good person through AppSats um, is, is another great resource. Uh, the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists. Um, I'm also a CSAT, a certified sex addiction therapist. Um, so, you know, if there's, 
I'm finding really also some good coaches, some people that, that do good ministry um, and maybe in the rural areas, that's a hard thing. How do you do a disclosure if your resources are limited or if you don't have access to professionals? Those are things that I'm, we're, we're trying to get um, more, more support, more people out there that, that are trained in this so that we can create help, not, not harm in our couples. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I really appreciate what y'all are doing. Um, I'll, I'll even just plant a seed for you guys. If you haven't done this already, it might be, um, a webinar series might be good on some of this kind of stuff too, to be able to to do some training of some of those, like even through AppSats or what. I don't know if you guys are working on something like that in terms of training mm-hmm. other therapists in this, but I know webinars are a great tool for being able to do a lot of those kind of kind of things. But thanks for being with us today and for uh, sharing just your um, your life and your um, expertise in this area. So appreciate it, Dan. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. And listeners, we're always glad that you're with us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.